Hello and welcome to today's episode of the Scotland Rugby League podcast, brought to you by McEwens. I'm your host, James Parsons, and today I'm joined by senior team regular and all-time Scotland Tops try scorer, David Scott. Thank you for coming on today. How How's the lockdown been treating you? Um, I think it's fair to say that the, uh, the novelty of it has certainly worn off. Uh, I think to begin with, it was actually quite nice, albeit a, a horrendous situation with the coronavirus. It was actually quite nice to, to spend a little bit more time at home than what I usually would do. Um, not being at work or working from home and um, not having to go to training and being able to kind of do a bit of fitness exercise at home, I suppose, and spend time with with my fiance and spend time with my, my little one who at the beginning of the lockdown was only six months old and, you know, time passes quickly and all of a sudden she's eight months old. So it's been really nice in that sense, um, having more family time. But at the same time, I think it's starting to get a bit of a, to a bit of a point and I think the nation as a whole getting to a bit of a point where uh, we're ready to come out of lockdown and we want to get back to a little bit of normality but obviously um, we can't do that it's not safe to do that so we just kind of have to roll with it and stick with it until we're told that uh, life can resume I suppose. Yeah um, and I mean you mentioned being in lockdown you, you've actually moved house recently I mean how was that? Um quite stressful uh so kind of all 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 the offers and everything to do with the solicitors and everything like that all kind of went through before lockdown was announced uh so i think what we were really worried about was you know your, your mortgage was only valid for six months from when the the offers issued and because everything was up in there we didn't know what was going to happen how long lockdown was going to last would we be able to move and would it take longer than that six months uh, and then what we'd kind of been told from from a mortgage advisor was that um, the banks were starting to ask for 25% mortgages as a minimum, but uh, or 25% deposit and mortgages as a minimum, but a lot of places kind of going as high as 40%. So we're thinking, how on earth are we actually going to be able to move house after this if it doesn't get done? But uh, fortunately, I think we were at a stage where uh, we were actually able to be put as a priority in the solicitors list so we managed to kind of push that through and obviously uh, everything went okay in the end so um i guess we can thank us lucky stars for that one <laughs> and are you all settled in in now yeah yeah all settled in um I, I suppose in some ways it maybe wasn't the best time to move with everything going on but at the same time maybe it was quite a good time to move um, because we didn't have to take annual leave from work and, and things like that. And I guess it was quite uh, easy just getting everything in the house and getting unpacked and being able to spend time um, getting everything sorted and settling. So in, in some ways, I suppose it was quite good, but in other ways, it was quite stressful. So but it's all done now. So we're, we're happy and we're settled. Yeah. So that's the main thing. And you're sort of talking about working from home. Um, so a lot of people may not know that you actually work at the University of Hull. Um, yeah, that's right. Tell us a, a bit about what you do um, sort of when you're not playing rugby, really. Yeah, so uh, it's a bit of a strange one. So I'm currently a lab technician uh, in the sports science department. So I guess a lot of my work is kind of more hands-on um, and just making sure that equipment's working, equipment calibrations, uh, all that kind of thing to kind of support uh, or facilitate teaching. Um, but I guess on top of that as well, 
Uh, I've also got a, a sort of temporary contract um, as a lecturer there or as a teaching assistant there, I guess you could say. Um, so I'm also I'm, I'm module leading a couple of the, the foundation year modules. So I've kind of been doing my best to get to grips with the online learning platforms and just trying to use that um, to deliver the content and to deliver and obviously do all the, the assessment methods and whatnot. So that's been pretty challenging. So kind of kind of a bit between kind of a lab technician and my lecturers where I'm at at the moment, but kind of longer term, I'm looking to kind of transition into a full-time lecturer um, hopefully within the next 12 months. Um, but we'll wait and see what happens. Yeah, as I said, that moving all the teaching online must have been um, quite stressful because I know quite a lot of universities have, and most places of work have been dealing with the same. But have you found that sort of relatively smooth? Uh, to begin with, it was a very painfully slow process, uh, just trying to get to grips with um, putting all your content online and actually recording your lectures, listening to them back, editing it. And, you know, it's almost one of those when you're doing it live, it's a little bit different because you just stand up, you speak, and then you walk out the room. Um, whereas when you've got the technology in front of you, you almost want it to sound perfect. So you kind of become a little bit obsessed with editing it and whatnot. So the process becomes naturally a lot longer. Um, but obviously after a couple of times of doing it, you just kind of accept, right, that is what it is. Uh, I'll maybe edit a couple of little bits of it, but I'll just kind of put it out there. But yeah, I think to begin with, it was a slow process, but naturally it's kind of, sped up a little bit which is nice and because we're kind of at the end of the semester now um, everything's kind of focused around the assessment so we're kind of around uh, the stage where I'm doing a lot of marking at the moment but um, in terms of teaching that's kind of quietened down for the time being but we'll wait and see what happens when when we start back in September. Yeah um, yeah so it's hard, hard to predict what's what's going to go on um, but moving on to rugby um yeah i mean you see so you started playing union i think in sterling if i'm right um and yeah yeah, so sterling County, yeah tell me a bit about those sort of that sort of early early sporting memories and and then how did you start playing rugby league um so i think i started playing at sterling county when i was seven years old and um, so through through the mini section and then into the kind of midi section from S1. Uh, so I played there for five years. Absolutely loved it. Um, and then I, I decided to change clubs and I moved to GHA in Glasgow. So kind of played out the rest of, of the midi section there, I suppose. So kind of up to under 18s. Um, but I guess it was kind of at the time that I moved to GHA. Um, it was around that summer sort of time where I just happened to stumble across rugby league. You know, I'd seen rugby league in the telly before um, when, I, when I just kind of started playing rugby. And uh, I didn't really know what it was. And I guess it was kind of at that age, I was like, you know, I really started to get interest in it. Uh, and that's when got in touch with, I think it was Mark Center was the the bloke who we got in touch with at Scotland Rugby League and just kind of invited me down to get involved and then it just kind of developed from there. So um ended up doing, you know, the, the regional and national camps uh within Scotland and then ended up joining joining East Irish Panthers and played there until I was 
17 and then got scouted for Hull Kingston Rovers and moved down to Hull when I was 17, joined their academy and it just kind of went from there. Yeah, what what was it about rugby league as a sport that, that grabbed you at that age? I think it was just the speed of it, to be honest with you. Um, when when you watch a game of rugby league, to me, it flows so much faster than a game of rugby union. You know, um, I think in terms of the physicality of it, I think in terms of how physically demanding it is and how fit you have to be, um, is completely different to that of union. And I just think because the game's so much faster, and I think demands a bit of a higher skill level I think it makes it more exciting um, and for me that was what really attracted me to rugby league hmm. and, and obviously before you were um, you sort of got involved with the Scotland setup and moved down to play for Hull you had a few years playing for Easter House I mean how how was that period for you and I think going forward how, how do you think the domestic game can grow in Scotland in general? Um, I, I absolutely love my time at East Irish Panthers. Um, obviously, rugby league being a minority sport in Scotland, you know, we didn't have the luxuries that we had in rugby union of a clubhouse and uh, a proper training field and that type of thing. It was literally going down to the local park, laying out some cones and a group of lads that just had a love for the game, just training together. And I absolutely loved it. Uh, great times great memories and you know it's it's a time in my life that I guess I'm grateful for and I'll, I'll never forget it um, and then I guess in terms of how rugby league can grow in Scotland I mean I think during the time when I was there it was always kind of continually growing and it got to a point where there was almost a bit of a spine in Scotland I think they, they kind of had rugby league all the way from Aberdeen down to down to Irvine um, from keeping an eye on it, it kind of seems that a lot of teams have sort of disbanded since I've moved down to Hull anyway. Um, how the game can grow in Scotland, I think um, it's always going to be difficult because the population of Scotland, rugby league being a minority sport, but I guess you know, you're know you up against rugby union, you're up against football, but it's about taking the talent from those other sports and trying to, to filter that through into rugby league. Uh, I, I guess it's easy, a lot easier said than done. Me personally, I've always kind of thought um, the borders in Scotland would be an ideal place for rugby league. Um, when they took away border, I think they were called border reavers from rugby union. Yeah. Um, and they were just kind of left with Glasgow and Edinburgh in, in rugby union. I think that's opened up a massive opportunity, and I think there's a bit of a hole there that needs to be filled, a bit of a void, and I think rugby league would be absolutely perfect for that. Um, if if it was possible to set up a a professional team there, but I guess that's going to take investment, it's going to take money, uh, and certainly a lot of time. Um, so it's definitely not one of those things that are going to happen overnight. Uh, but over the course of however many years, ten, twenty odd years, I'd like to see a professional rugby league team in the borders in Scotland. You can say that. I mean, every time Scotland play in sort of gala and places like that, they always attracts quite a big crowd. Yeah, you know, I made my debut with Scotland in 2011 and it's going to sound awful, but I was surprised at the lack of people that were actually at the game. 
Mm. Um, I don't know how big the crowd was, maybe three, four, five hundred at most. Uh, maybe that's even been a bit generous. But I kind of expected it to be a sort of mini Murrayfield. Do you know what Murrayfield's like when, when Rugby Union are playing and you've yeah. got about 70-odd thousand people at Murrayfield packed out? I kind of expected, you know, nothing in the, the scale of 70,000, but maybe something in the region of the thousands rather than the hundreds. Um, but, yeah, it did kind of surprise me. I think one of the first times we played down in Gala um, was actually the year that we became European champions. And I think we played France that night. And there must have easily been a couple of thousand there that, that night. Um, and I just think that, it, it, like I said, it'd be an ideal place for, for some reason. Whenever Scotland Rugby League play in Gala, we attract good crowds. Um, and I think there is a void there. And I think there's a massive gap in the market for a rugby league team in the borders in Scotland. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I think I agree with you there. Touched on it a little bit. Um... But in 2011, you moved down to the academy at Hull KR. Um, yeah. How much of a change was that for you, both on and off the field? Um, I think when I, when, I, when I first moved down, I lived with the academy captain and his family. Um, so obviously that's a massive change going from living with your own family up in Scotland, your own dad, brother and sister, to all of a sudden living with a family who are essentially strangers, um, them taking you in and you're living with the, the academy captain, I guess. He was chosen because he was probably, you know, a natural leader and probably the right person to kind of put an arm around me and kind of welcome me into the big family at Hull KR. Um, so I guess... You know, it was completely different. It was really strange to begin with, but I couldn't have been lucky with the people that I ended up with uh, down there and the family I ended up with. And uh, the, the lad that I ended up moving in with and his family, um, I still keep in touch with him today. And I guess we ended up pretty much becoming best mates. And it, it was kind of strange. We kind of became more like brothers than mates at one well, I say at one point, but we ended up kind of becoming more brothers than mates. Um, so it was it was really weird to begin with and then kind of again once I got settled in like I said I, I could not have asked um, for for a better sort of family down in Hull I suppose uh, for want of a better words yeah and I, I mean that can only help on field I guess um, and how, how did you find the sort of I guess the step up from playing in in Easter House to playing for the academy at LKR um, it, it was a pretty big step up, to be honest with you. I don't think I expected this, the step up to be quite as big as it was. Um, and I think that just comes with the talent pool that you've got in the north of England playing rugby league. Um, and I think the, the biggest thing is just getting to grips with the shapes and structures of the game and learning the game in greater detail. And you've got these players that are, miles ahead of you in terms of their understanding of the game and you're kind of in there with them and trying to play catch up to get to grips with it um and then i guess it's just the intensity of it as well you know it's one of those where the skill level is a lot higher the intensity of the game's a lot higher and just trying to get to grips with that as well just took a little bit of time mm. but i mean do you, do you think that sort of step up is 
I mean, how much do you think it's benefited your game and sort of pushed you forward? Well, I think it's one of those things it probably, well, it definitely had to happen. It definitely had to happen. Otherwise, I wouldn't have been able to kind of um, progress in my career, I suppose. <laughs> you know, if, if there wasn't a step up uh, and I guess that the challenge wasn't high enough to to kind of help me progress or motivate me to progress, then I wouldn't have done. So I think it definitely had to happen and to definitely to improve my game. I, I had to be at somewhere like Cold KR to, to get better. It's as simple as that, really, I think. Hmm. And why do you think um, there haven't been as many people from Scotland that have sort of made that same step of playing in Scotland to going and playing for a Super League Academy team? Uh, that's a good question. I think I think it's opportunity. I think I, I was very lucky at the time um, where Hull Kingston Rovers had formed a partnership with Scotland Rugby League. Um, so I guess that kind of made the opportunity of it a little bit more possible. I mean, there's obviously a, a, a talent pool of of players in Scotland, because you know, particularly in recent years, quite a few players that have gone through the sort of pathways of playing for younger teams and then playing for the senior team. Do you think it's sort of only a matter of time that more people will be spotted and picked up through that that sort of exposure? Well, yeah, I like to think so. Um, we've definitely seen it in in recent years. You know, players kind of that have been in the the eighteens, the students team and uh, making the debuts and playing very well uh, for for the senior squad, so there's absolutely no reason if they're able to play play for Scotland at that level that they wouldn't cope with League One Championship or Academy Super League football. So I think you're right. It probably is only a matter of time, but it's just about the opportunity. Um, you know, like like I said, I was quite fortunate that I had. Uh, a family in Hull that were willing to take me in, but I guess not every family would be as generous as that. Yeah, since playing for Hull, you've been pretty fortunate to play for a few championship and you know, sort of quite high level teams, and you're now at, at Batley. Um, yeah, and it, I mean it's been it's been quite a short season, but um, how mm-hmm. how before all of this, how was the season going for you, sort of as a team and individually? Um, I think, I think you know we're we're a very new team this year at Batley, um, and we were really starting to kind of take a bit of shape, uh, and we're we're miles ahead. I think where where our coach thought we were going to be, um, so I think we were looking pretty good. I think we just had a, a couple of wins under our belt, and we're starting to get a little bit of momentum going. So the season probably came to a bit of a an end or a bit of a pause at the wrong time for us. Um, you know, and looking back on some of the performances, you know, there was some, we, we showed some real moments of quality and obviously there's going to be moments in there that aren't so good that we were kind of working an eye and out. But I thought as a team, we were really kind of starting to come together and I think the, the break just came at the wrong time, unfortunately for us. Yeah, because I'm going to, Look, having a quick look at some of the results, so quite a few sort of close, close calls in there, and sort of look like building blocks of, but yeah, hopefully momentum. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, there, there was a couple of games like that. Uh, I can't remember exactly who we played, um, but I, I know towards the start of the season, I think we had a game against Featherston, and when you look at the score of it, it almost looks like Featherston came out comfortable winners, but when you're actually there watching the game, you know, we were in it for large parts, and I think at one point, I think even at half-time, we had the lead. Um, and it's happened a few times this season where we've actually been in a position to win the game. We've actually had the lead. Um, and then a second-half performance has just kind of let us down for whatever reason. Um, or there's been a patch within the second half that has just kind of let us down. So I think, you know, it's it's not that we don't have the quality to to beat those types of teams. It's just that we need to be more consistent throughout the 80 minutes. And I think that's what we were kind of working towards and that's what we were starting to get. Um, so, yeah, like I said, it would have been nice had the season continued and we were able to, to build on that and keep rolling that momentum. But unfortunately, you know, what's happened's happened. Yeah, well, well, hopefully you'll be able to pick up where you left off. Um, not moving away from club rugby, uh, mm-hmm. we've sort of touched on it a bit. Um, but can you tell me sort of a bit more about how you first got involved in the Scotland setup, um, sort of at youth level, and then how you progressed through to the international side? Um, so youth level, I think um, I've already touched on it, and you know it was it was Mark Center that that we rang up, and he kind of invited us along to a trial and then that developed into regional camp and then from there it went to Scotland National Camp. So probably been involved in that type of thing since under 12s, under 13s, that sort of time. Um, and then just off the back of that, decided that I wanted to continue playing rugby league and that's where I got involved with, with Easter House. But I guess on a yearly basis, you know, it kind of went Scotland 15s, 16s, all the way up to, to under 18s. Um, and then it was after I'd played a year down here with Hull KR, um, I got the message of the phone call kind of inviting me to to do the 2011 championships with, with the senior squad. Um, and then I've been quite fortunate from then. I've been involved in the in the Scotland senior squads every year since. So I think that's, is that nine or ten years I've been involved in that now? So, yeah. Just been really fortunate that I've kind of naturally transitioned from the age grade stuff into the senior squad. I mean, we spoke about your your debut a little bit, but I mean, how how big mm. a moment was it making that first cap, and sort of how much did it mean to you? Uh, I don't think you can really put into words how much uh, playing for your country means to you. I think I think it's one of those things that you always aspire to do when you're younger. Um, you know, growing up as a kid, it's your dream to play for your country. Um, well, it was my dream anyway, and to actually be able to do that, um, yeah, like I said, you can't really put it into words, and it does mean a lot to me, and I know it means a lot to my family as well. Um, so yeah, it was a massive moment, and I suppose it's something that, although you dream about in the back of your mind, you you kind of question, am I actually ever gonna do this? So yeah, it's it's nice to have been able to achieve that. Yeah, and and I mean, we spoke about the sort of step up from playing in Scotland to playing for Hull. But I mean, how did you find the 
that sort of first international game. I mean, what was the what was the the pace of the game like and the physicality? Yeah, I think it kind of goes without saying that it was it was a fair bit of a step up. Um, certainly in terms of physicality, certainly in terms of skill level, and certainly again in in terms of the pace of the game. Um, so I think at the time I was only eighteen years old. So the the thought of going out and playing internationally was quite daunting, I suppose. And you know, I, I remember being a fair well. I remember being quite nervous. Uh, on the day and in the build-up to the game. Um, so, yeah, it was definitely a good experience, um, you know, to make my debut and definitely, again, something that I needed. I needed that extra exposure to progress in my career. Um, and, yeah, really enjoyed that day. Really good memories of my debut. And, and you were saying earlier, you've been pretty fortunate to have been involved in the Scotland team basically pretty much every year since then. Um, what have been some of your, your highlights while playing for the first team? Um, well, I think my debut is always going to be a highlight. Um, aside from that, I think that probably the 2013 World Cup, um, it was really cool to play against the USA and win again in the World Cup, and then to play in, in a quarter final against New Zealand at Headingley. Uh, and I think there must have been close to about 20-odd thousand people there that night. Um, so that was a really special moment. Um, and then I think the year after that, we won the European Championships, um, which qualified us for the Four Nations. But um, I think the year that stood out the most for me, although we lost every game that year, was 2015, um, and that was the year that I got awarded the Dave Valentine Award, so Scotland Player of the Year. So I think for me that, w- that was probably my highlight, although it wasn't the most successful year for Scotland Rugby League. Mm. I think it was definitely my favourite year, personally anyway. Yeah, so it, yeah, sort of more of a, I mean, in a way, an ind- individual highlight. But I mean, another one was that last year you became the top try scorer for Scotland. I mean, did you did you know about that going into the games against Serbia and Greece and sort of was that a record you were chasing or did it just sort of happen? I forgot about it until you just mentioned it there to be honest with you. Um no, I I I um I didn't I didn't know that I'd scored that many and I didn't know that I was chasing a record. I think it was actually the game against Serbia. I think one of the lads said to me in the touchline, I think it was actually Oli Cruikshank, um, he, he must have just been messing around uh, on the Scotland Blue website and having a look at the records and maybe he, he, he followed these types of things, I don't know. And I think after scoring a couple, he, he kind of said to me in the touchline, I was like, you do realise if you score one more, you, you've equaled the all-time record. And I was like, no, but cheers for putting the pressure on me. That's it, I kind of need to do it now. <laughs> Um, and unfortunately, I was able to do it in that game and then score another one against Greece to, to I think I hold the record on my own, do I? I, I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> I don't yeah. really keep these yeah, types yeah. of things. I think, I think a record, especially a try scoring record, isn't the type of thing that you chase. It just kind of happens. I don't know. Yeah, did yeah did Ollie, Ollie pointing that out, um, I mean, obviously he did still go on because I think he got a hat-trick in the first half against Serbia or... 
we'll ah, sort of close to that. But I think I scored two in the first half and one in the second. So, but yeah, you're right. Scored yeah. a hat trick there. I mean, you know, scoring a hat trick in itself was that a was that a special moment? Yeah, I think so. Um, you know, I, I think. <laughs> You know, scoring tries is great, and I guess it's why you play the game because, well, it's not the only reason you play the game, but it's one of the most enjoyable parts of the game is getting over the whitewash. But at the same time, um, you know, it's never down to one individual. I guess I was just in the right place at the right time on three occasions and was the one that got to put the ball over the line, but I think it probably could have been anyone that day that scored a hat-trick. In fact, I think Will Oakes actually scored a hat-trick that day as well. Yeah. So, um you know, it's it's one of those things. Um, you just find yourself in the right place at the right time, and uh, you reap the rewards from that, I suppose. Yeah, sort of a a, a nice moment, if not a groundbreaking. <laughs> um, yeah, a bit. And sort of talking um, personal highlights. Um, I mean, one in two thousand seventeen, which I suppose is uh, sort of a, a bit of a mixed one. Um, was that you captained the team. Um, against against New South Wales country. I mean, we go on to talk about what happened later in the game, but I mean, how proud a moment was it to lead the side out then? Um, again, coming back to what we spoke about earlier, actually making your debut for Scotland, you kind of think it's one of those things that it is just a dream and you'll never actually do it. So um, to actually captain the side... Um, I guess that was kind of kind of the moment I'd been dreaming of since I was seven years old. So to actually go out and do that was a really special moment. And not just for me, but I guess everyone that gave me the opportunity to, to play rugby and to play rugby professionally and support me through it all. So it wasn't just a special moment for me. It was special for all those people as well that gave me the opportunity to be there and, and to captain the side in that night. So... Yeah, it, it meant the absolute world to me. And again, similar to the debut, I don't think it's it's something you can actually put into words to describe what it actually means to you. Um, but yeah, a very proud moment and definitely one that I'll remember for, for the rest of my days. Yeah, but then I suppose it, the game itself didn't go, go hugely to plan. I mean, what what happened during the match? Yeah, let's not talk about that. <laughs> I'm only joking, I'm only joking. Um so I think I think uh we we actually started quite well in that game and I think we we had the lead at half time. Um and it was a warm up game and um I think, you know, our big name players, you you don't want to be risking them in in those types of games. So naturally we played our younger squads. And, you know, in the second half, we made a lot of changes and I guess maybe just kind of disrupted the flow of the game. So obviously the result didn't go our way, but I guess personally, um, I think um, what happened, I went, I went down on loose ball or whatever, or I can't really remember. And then I think one of their players kind of went for it at the same time. It was just an unfortunate collision and his knees kind of went into, into my lower back and then from there my back just kind of swelled up and kept swelling and kept swelling so yeah it, it got to a point where it was like hang on a minute this is quite painful and it seems to be getting worse and it's starting to look quite serious so yeah I ended up going to hospital and 
at first it was kind of, oh, we don't think it's anything, we're going to monitor you. Um, to all of a sudden, right, you need a CT scan because we think that you might have ruptured a kidney or you might have ruptured your appendix or something along those lines. But fortunately, it was just a really bad bleed. It was just a really bad hematoma. So it was nothing um, too serious. But at the same time, it was painful and took a, a fair bit of time to recover from that anyway. But yeah, I guess it one of those bitter, bittersweet moments when it's, you know, um, mm. but these things happen you know so you never know there might be an opportunity um, and I might captain the side again I might not but I've done it and that's the main thing yeah and I mean we've spoken quite a lot about sort of highlights and um, sort of higher moments but I mean, what have been some of your biggest challenges that you've faced while playing for Scotland I think playing for Scotland's a challenge in itself because we're always the underdogs <laughs> but I think I think as a team, that's that's what motivates us. That's that, that's what I love about not not just obviously being Scottish and representing your country. That's why you love doing it. But I think one of the greatest things about playing for Scotland is that everyone writes you off. You're always the underdogs, and you've always got your your backs up against the wall, and you've somehow got to fight your way out of it. No one gives you a chance, and yet somehow we always come up trumps off. We don't always come up trumps, but more often than not, we're putting a really good performance and overachieve and do things that no one expected of us. And I think that's really what motivates the team. And I think that's at the, the heart of the team. I think that's at the core of the team is that kind of fighting spirit and that togetherness of the group. I mean, I mean talking about the, the team, I was talking to Gavin Willisie, the, the historian for Scotland Rugby League. Um, it sort of highlighted that the, the really the the period that you've been involved has sort of been some of the golden years, if you like, um, particularly sort of between 2013 and the Four Nations. Um, and so, I mean, I, I got him to pick his all-time all-time 13, but I won't get you to do that. Um, but who who have been some of the teammates that you've you know most enjoyed playing with, both in terms of what they can do on the pitch, but also you know sort of personalities off it. Um, I think probably the most obvious one uh, is Danny Brough. Um, I think he shows week in, week out his ability in Super League and he's shown what he can do in a Scotland, in a Scotland shirt. And it's not just what he does on the field uh, during a match, it's what he does in training as well. He's just uh, tremendous what that bloke can actually do. Uh, and his skill level is unbelievable. And the standard that he sets at training, um, I guess, kind of inspires other others around him, which makes him such an influential player um, and then I guess on top of that I've been lucky enough to play with you know some NRL um, players such as your, your Pete Wallaces, your Luke Douglases, uh, Ken Lynette, Ewan Aitken um, so I mean there's a lot of names in there um, and then you know you throw players like Danny Addy in there and Dale Ferguson so you know, I think Matty Ross would be another one, Lewis Tierney. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of good players that I've been fortunate enough to, to share the field with. So, yeah. Um, and then I guess off the field, um, you know, there's a lot of good characters in the, in the Scotland setup. But I think one lad that in particular just keeps the team entertained and always keeps spirits high is Danny Addy. I think he's one of those types of mm. people where. 
you could probably just put a camera on him and make a TV show out of him, make some sort of reality show. He'd probably have a good future in that. And he's just one of those types of people that just keeps the spirits high and he's just laughing a minute sort of stuff. So, yeah, I'd probably say Danny Addy's probably um, the the funny man of Scotland Rugby League. Yeah, I think, well, with the um, the 20 questions that we sent out to all the players, I think 90% of people said Danny Addy was their funniest teammate. <laughs> Yeah, that doesn't surprise me. We mentioned quite a few of those, um, you know, really top top professional players' names. Um, For you, how how does how much does that raise your game when you sort of, you know, go onto the pitch and see maybe there's Lewis Tierney or someone like that on on outside you on the wing. Um, you know, I I think I've had this conversation with. Not this exact conversation, but a very similar conversation with Dale Ferguson um, before a game one time. I think it was maybe the first game of a championship we're playing, however many years ago it was. Um, and I think maybe one of the, the debut lads or one of the new lads of Scotland was kind of asking, you know, what it's like. And it was just one of those where it doesn't matter whether you're a Super League player, Championship, League One, or you're coming through from the amateur game. Um, and, and playing for the Scotland Rugby League, everybody, uh, each other's side, has each other's backs and everybody ramps up and steps the performance up that next level. So um, I, I don't know what it is, but it just seems to be the sort of culture that there is around Scotland Rugby League, which I guess is unique. And, and going forward, um, what are some of your goals going forward with Scotland, obviously with the World Cup next year as well? Um, well, we're going to have to wait and see if there's any Scotland fixtures at the end of the year, I suppose. Um, so I think the first thing would have been to to play this year. There's a new competition. Uh, I don't know the exact structure of it. I don't know the exact um, name of it. But I almost believe it's sort of two groups. Uh, and then it kind of progresses into maybe a semi-final and final, maybe just a straight final. Um, I couldn't mm. tell you who have been drawn against. I think you've been told, but I've completely forgotten. So obviously, one one of the kind of shorter term goals would have been to, uh, you know, qualify to at least the final for that. Um, but obviously, that's very unlikely to happen now. So I guess kind of thinking about next year. Yeah, we want to be getting into the World Cup, and we want to be righting some wrongs. Um, from two thousand and seventeen, I think there's a lot of players that have a bit of unfinished business with the World Cup from 2017. So, like I said, we want to right those wrongs and we want to make sure that we have a team that's capable, we definitely have a team that's capable of making the, the quarterfinal and making sure that we actually achieve our potential um, and get into the quarterfinal. And who knows, maybe a little bit further, depending how the draw goes. But that would be kind of a medium-term goal, if you like, I suppose. Um mm. I guess longer term, we've kind of spoke about the the try records, um, but I guess the next one thinking about it would be um, the the highest cap player. So I think it's it currently at twenty five, and I think I'm on eighteen. So um, you know, fingers crossed to stay fit, fingers crossed to stay in form, and keep getting selected. And you never know that that could be the next one. We touched on it there, but for 
Next year's World Cup, Scotland have been given quite a tough draw that includes opening against Australia. Um, so what was the squad's reaction when that draw was made? I mean, they're not as good in, as, as what they have been in recent years, Australia, are they? Um, I reckon they're there for the taking. <laughs> um, no, look, I mean, obviously going against the best team in the world and challenging yourself, testing yourself against the best. Um, we were fortunate enough, I was unfortunate um, not to play that game in the Four Nations against Australia, but uh, fingers crossed to get that opportunity in the World Cup because testing yourself against... Uh, the world's best essentially um, would be an absolutely awesome experience and I'd, I'd love to do it so yeah whilst I'm sure it's one of those things it's you know nerve-wracking pretty going out to play against the best team in the world at the same time we've got nothing to lose and no one expects anything of us so I guess it's about going out and just giving the best possible account of yourselves um, and enjoying the occasion for what it is. So, um, you know, I, I guess when you look at it from that point of view, yeah, you know, it, it's an amazing prospect and one that I hope I get to get to do. Yeah, well, fingers crossed everything goes ahead and sort of you know, manage to keep fit and inform. Yeah, fingers crossed. And, and just to, to finish, um. If you could give sort of one piece of advice to people that would hope, you know, considering getting into rugby league, I mean, what what would you say to them? In terms of rugby league in, in general, I'd say the key piece of advice I can give you, and it just be to be resilient. I guess that's the key word I've learned is just be resilient and persevere. Um, you're gonna get knockbacks. Uh, and there's going to be times where you think that you can't achieve something, and it's just about being able to get through those troughs, get through those hard times, and come through the other end of it. And I guess if you think about it more, kind of from from the the Scotland Rugby League point of view, and thinking about people that are coming through from Scotland to play the game, um, I, I guess it's just about take your opportunity. Um, you know, whether that that's, you know, with Scotland's under eighteen Scotland students and then an opportunity presents itself to come into the senior squad or um whether you get the opportunity to come down south and play for one of the academies down here or one of the, the seniors teams down here, take your opportunity and just enjoy every moment of it. and um, because it's an experience you'll never get again in your life. Thank you for joining me for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed hearing about David's journey through Rugby League. You can keep up to date with everything Scotland Rugby League on our social media, at ScotlandRL. But in the meantime, stay safe and we'll see you next time.